great value, great car cover, great rewards. Super Value Insurance has it all. Search Super Value Insurance now. Rewards include two 10 euro of 40 euro spend vouchers and 10 euro of real rewards points. This car insurance is underwritten by AXA Insurance DAC. Super Value Financial Services DAC, trading as Super Value Insurance, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Welcome to another episode of the Disney vs. Disney Debates, the podcast where we're going to figure out exactly what is the best Disney film ever made. I'm your host and grandmaster, Saint C. Weber, and today we are debating Treasure Planet vs. The Emperor's New Groove. I have two debaters here to argue those two films, but before we get to them, I'm going to introduce our fact-checker of the day, Mr. Patrick Aiken. Hello, everyone. How are you, Patrick? Uh, Lacking mercy. (laughs) Good. And filled with... Objectivity. Oh, listen to that voice. Okay. This guy's got Are no bias. Are you impartial in this debate? Yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> not what you said before. I have a slight preference, but I have no mercy. Yes. Full of objectivity right. as previously said. He puts, said, his, so it he be puts his personal whims aside. I like, leave it at home. I love both of these films. Mm. There's one I think I prefer. So I'm looking forward to the debate. Well, we have the two original debaters that originally argued for these films in the first round back to debate them in the second round. For Emperor's New Groove, we have Mr. James Keogh. Hello. How are you, James? I'm very well, thank you. I'm ready to debate is what I am. Good. Yeah. I'm glad because that's what we're about to do. Yeah, if I wasn't ready to debate, I think that would be a, probably more of an issue. Yeah. <laughs> and for Treasure Planet, we have Mr. Curtis Lang. Hello, Zane. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Pumped up on caffeine and nicotine, so let's do this. All right. All right. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So in this second round, we have a new format. We have six minutes for you to get across both why your film is the best Disney film ever made and why Mm. your opponent's film is not. Then we'll have a short break. We'll come back with a cross-examination where both I and Patrick can ask you pointed questions about things that you have said or things that you might not have said. And then we'll take another short break. We'll come back with three-minute closing arguments and then I'll make my final and binding decision. We have rolled a dice to see who's going to go first and James has volunteered to go first. I have, I have. We're still going to do unfeatured articles if... We like don't become friends anymore. Yeah, right? I think so. I think we just contractually we have to. Yeah, keep... we have to see the season. Out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, just this season though. Yeah, you can yeah. record from separate buildings. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So starting with James, you will have a warning at five minutes. That warning will sound like this. <laughs> then you'll be cut off very rudely by Darkwing Duck at six minutes. And he the says, jig is up, you jaded jug-headed Jack in the box. And so your time starts when you start talking. Today my speech will be entitled The Emperor's New Groove is Disney's Greatest and Most Important Movie or How Treasure Planet Killed the Heart of Disney. Fuck. Today my thesis statement will be that where Emperor's New Groove thrived given its constraints, Treasure Planet failed despite heavy investment. But before my argument, I'd like to make an acknowledgement. The Emperor's New Groove, uh, one thing I want to get out into the air, Emperor's New Groove falls victim to a, track, a trap that many Disney films and films in general f- uh, fell into uh, from that kind of era 10 to 20 years ago. Um, this being uh, setting films in the history and culture of a certain peoples without the direct inclusion of people belonging to said culture in the voice cast. Uh, this is 
can be seen in other Disney films around this time, such as Aladdin, uh, which also featured a predominantly white cast in an Arabian setting. Here we have a predominantly white cast in an Incan setting. It's something I wanted to talk about up the top. Mm. Uh, in both cases and in many others, this is... You know, this is Disney. This is a large corporation using these cultures as a narrative background and is a much larger issue that has been prevalent in many films of the time. Obviously, Emperor's New Groove would have benefited from having a voice cast more closely resembling the characters that it was portraying. And this is something that Disney has gotten better with over time with recent examples like Moana. I do, however, think that both... Uh, Emperor's New Groove and other examples like Aladdin, they shine as celebrations of the cultures they portray, willing to shine spotlights on the traditions of the culture as well as make jokes within their worlds rather than jokes at the expense of these cultures and peoples. Um, for example, and this sort of more leads into my main arguments, um, this film is exceptionally researched and exceptionally... Um, exists within the world of the culture that it's portraying. Uh, in researching for this film, the team took many trips to Peru to gain insight into how they wanted to tell their story. Um, essentially, the the main crux of my argument is that the Empress New Groove and Treasure Planet both found themselves in a similar set of circumstances. Both were passion projects which endured tumultuous development cycles and suffered uh, commercially after not getting enough marketing from Disney. These were both films that... Um, did not receive the funding budget that other um, more successful films got, uh, and they both suffered as a result. Um, but I don't necessarily think that that is an in indicative of the quality of either of them, uh, especially The Emperor's New Groove, uh, right? Which still made back its budget, still made a profit, um, but not as much as uh, uh, pre uh, previous films. Where they differ in their, you know, is in the ways in which they overcame these struggles, or as in the case of Treasure Planet, uh, did not did not overcome these struggles, um, uh, which I'll elaborate on now. Um, the so Treasure Planet took four years to make, right? Uh, and this is because it was a passion project that was pitched continuously after films getting getting made and kept getting shut down. Um, one of the visions for this film uh, was to be able to move the camera around a lot, like Steven Spielberg or James Cameron. Um, they said that the delay in production was beneficial since the technology had time to develop in terms of really moving the camera. Um, what this leads me to believe and what I can see in the film is that Treasure Planet, rather than being a movie built around the heart of this story and, you know, uh, being a compelling story is more of a tech showcase, um, taking this technology, technology deep canvas uh, used for uh, Tarzan, uh, which makes virtual sets, an three, entire 360-degree set um, that they did for Tarzan, um, and using it for the entire film. Now, in Tarzan, uh, this process, this deep canvas software, uh, was extremely expensive, uh, as it was with Treasure Planet, um, which uh, another goes into another pitfall of Treasure Planet, which is it took a lot of money, uh, and did not make back uh, said money. I, I think that um, it is a commercial uh, failure, uh, which, as I mentioned, was, you know, uh, partly came into the, the sort of marketing budget and stuff like that, but also uh, just a lot of people didn't uh, go and see it. Uh, back onto The Emperor's New Group and why this film is great. Uh, counter to Treasure Planet, which found itself in this sort of set of circumstances where... Uh, it was a tumultuous four-year cycle. Uh, the Empress of Groove was kind of the opposite. They had a rushed time cycle as they started um, with a uh, as a different film. 
the movie began as more of a traditional uh, kind of, quote, golden era film uh, called Kingdom of the Sun, which was designed to be more uh, along the lines of films that preceded it um, and before it was retooled and re-announced as The Emperor's New Groove. This is actually a benefit. Um, so essentially, uh, the then-CEO Michael Eisner said that Kingdom of the Sun, when it was Kingdom of the Sun, had all the elements of a classic Disney film. Um, however... What we were seeing at that point in Disney's history was that these classic Golden Age Disney films were starting to slow down, were starting to underperform, starting with Tarzan. That one did not uh, start to, you know, go as much, uh, do as, as well as other films in the Golden Age, right? Um, and so what we saw here with this retooling was the ability to shift gears and make a movie that took risks, which I would argue that a lot of the films prior to it did not, and was a beneficial thing for the history of Disney at that time. It ushered in the ability to make weirder films, to make films like Lilo and Stitch, to make these animated films that weren't just, um, you know, The Lion King, Tarzan, obviously fantastic, brilliant movies, but not, you know, movies The that... jig is up, you jaded, jug-headed jack-in-the-box! All right. Oh, man, I have Thank so you much very more. much. Well, well, Psst. you will. We do have a fact to check. Please do. Um, so uh, it's difficult to get numbers on this sort of thing simply because uh, often uh, film companies will either disguise or misrepresent how much money they end up spending mm, mm. on marketing um, for certain products. The assertion was made that not a lot of budget was spent on either of the film's marketing and that hurt both of them. I will note that Disney did allocate special funding to Emperor's New Groove in not only redubbing the film but also increasing marketing for... Uh, a dual English and Spanish language oh, audiences. Right. Yeah. And that was specially allocated to try and bring those audiences in because the film featured, um, I suppose, main characters from mm -hmm. that ethnic background. That's true. Uh, I will also confirm that The Emperor's New Groove did make its budget back, whereas Treasure Planet just fell short of making its budget back, and that is represented. But there is no clear detail on exactly how much money was spent by Disney within their overall budgets for either of these films on marketing. Okay, cool. Uh, sorry, just uh, quickly questioning on that. I was under the impression that uh, it cost $140 million, but it made $150 million. Uh, Treasure Planet? Yeah. I have that the box office draws mm. was $109.6 million. I will check a second source right now for you. Um, which states that worldwide, this is from Box Office Mojo, and this is for film, DVD okay. and video releases are not included yeah. in these uh, figures, that worldwide it made $109 million. Ah, so very well. short, it may have earned that back with VHS and DVD releases, mm. and I'll look that up while you discuss the film no further. All right. Curtis, it is now your turn to tell me why Treasure Planet is the best Disney film ever Very made well. and why The Emperor's New Groove is not. Your time will start when you start talking. Very well. Treasure Planet is a film that is exceptionally close to my heart. Now, I love Emperor's New Groove. I think it's very funny. However, just because uh, Disney films of the time represented cultures, it does not um, forgive the fact that they for forgoed uh, actually representing the uh, the cultures with talent from those cultures in favour of bringing in big Hollywood names like David Spade, big white Hollywood names. It does not it like despite the fact that they play around in these cultures. If they're not going to go a hundred percent in, and it's something that still happens to this very day, to say mm. that it only happened 10, 20 years ago, I think is false because it still happens 
all over the place. Whitewashing is a very big problem. Um, and I think Emperor's New Groove, despite the fact that, yes, it might they might have researched it meticulously, they still did not give the culture the respect it deserved. Um, Treasure Planet, on the other hand, is a, a reinterpretation of Robert Louis Stevenson's classic... Um, great classic novel treasure island um and it's 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 it, the way that they meld this um this classic story from sort of the 1800s with amazing new concepts in sci-fi is what i think um conceptually brings this film cr- um Crit- to, from a critical point of view, to the to to the foreground, I think um, yes, it was a rather a tech showcase. But um, just because it was a tech showcase, I don't think necessarily means it's a uh, a fault. Because not if it was just a tech showcase, but the plot and the character development and all the other aspects of the film suffered because of that, then that would be a problem. But they use it to make all those other aspects shine. Um, it is a wonderfully shot film. I think I mentioned in the previous debate the fact that they meld traditional 2D animation with 3D animation is something that had not really happened, but Disney hadn't really forayed into before. Um, and it was a wonderful new um, new uh, inter- uh, way to go that um, really made this film stand the t- still today stand the test of time. I think it still looks fantastic from a from a from an animation point of view. Um, the cast of as i said um yeah the cast of emperor's new groove is predominantly white uh white voice actors voicing um uh southern american characters um which i still yeah despite the fact that it was it um they meticulously researched i still think that is a massive problem i still think it's a massive uh slant against the uh the film's uh legacy however uh treasure planet because it is a um it is a uh, Anglo-Saxon English sort of uh, rooted narrative. Um, the cast uh, has, without that kind of slander against it, it has the ability to shine. We have people like Joseph Gordon-Lovett, voice a uh, young Joseph Gordon-Lovett before his prime, um, absolutely nailing the young character of Jim. Um, and we have uh, Emma Thompson coming in as one of the most badass female characters in kind of early two thousands um, Disney. Disney films, uh, David Hyde Pierce bringing some stellar, stellar slapstick wit and uh, all these other characters. And then we have um, all these other comedy aspects. And then, of course, we have Martin Short who just brings wackiness um, to uh, to the character of Ben, a robot, um, a wonderful robot. Uh, yeah, this film is just it, – it, it exceeds uh, visually, narratively um, – and it's got so much heart, I think. Um, it's, it's, it's another one of these uh, few and far between Disney examples where it really investigates the, the male-to-male bond, like a male father-figure-son-figure relationship. And it excels at doing that because not a, Long John Silver is the antagonist of the film, but he is a deeply conflicted, deeply complicated person. And you see that. And despite the fact that he's the antagonist, you almost root as much for him as you do for Jim. Um, because they have this this kind of connection that neither of them really um, understand and are um, cautious of exploring, uh, because they haven't really had this in their lives before. And I think that's a it's a it's a wonderful representation of how um, men can some, sometimes be very uh, cautious to um, connect on a deeper emotional level. And I think that's it's just a wonderful example of that. 
Um, and despite the fact that, yeah, he, um, Long John Silver has, has played the antagonist for most of the film, at the end they still have this wonderful reconciliation and they wish each other well as they uh, depart off into different paths of life sort of thing. Um, yes, well, uh, as, as Patrick corrected me before, um, yeah, the, the film was, it was a bit of a uh, commercial failure well, at the box office. An update on that. Yes. Um, so, sorry to interrupt and if we can pause the time. Um, so, while Treasure Planet did earn $109 million on a budget of mm. 140 including DVD sales, it made $173 million from a 140 budget. So it did eventually earn back its spendings. Yeah, duly noted. You have one minute left. Lovely, thank you. So yes, um, um, as as can sometimes happens in the, in the film business, um, uh, without a proper marketing um, sort of budget or, or um, proper pushing. And like, yeah, I think people are going to go see a comedy starring David Spade um, this this guy was kind of at his peak of fame at the time um, over something that might like a, tr- uh, a reinterpretation of um, a classic novel. Like um, it doesn't, it's, it might not sing as, as like traditionally um, kind of palatable to, uh, to a modern audience. Um, but yeah, so it did make, make back its money um, and it was nominated at the 2002 Academy Awards for Best Animated Feature showing that it had, it had um, some quite uh, critical success um, and... Yeah, uh, the music in it as well is phenomenal. Um, as I said uh, in in a, in a previous debate where we debated Moana and Chicken Little, um, Chicken Little uh, kind of doesn't use music to the best of its ability, I think. But Treasure Planet uses pop music. It's such an exceptional. You jaded, jug-headed Jack in the Box. All right, well said. Mm. Lots of notes. I'm going to take a little break, and we'll come back with a cross-examination of your points. Wonderful. All right. I have some questions. Hit at me with them. Let's do now, this. James approached the topic of cultural appropriation mm. and mm. whitewashing, and I feel like you dealt with that quite well. Mm. Uh, however, Curtis, you decided to double down on that and say it's still a black mark. Yeah. And then you listed off the cast of your film, mm. which are aliens. Yeah. Which have no need to be exclusively white actors and then you mm. listed off exclusively white actors. Can you speak to that? That's a, that's a uh, yeah, that, that, that is something I hadn't really considered, I guess. Um, but if there are going to be people who are going to disagree, disagree with me. On it's this, not I cultural guess. appropriation, yeah, yeah. but because there is, is no, definitely... there is no alien culture. It's true. Yeah. Well, I guess because, well, I guess I, and I, and I, I, I know why Disney did it like with Empress New Grove. Okay. Because corporations are always going to, to make decisions that are going to make them money at the end right. of the day, yeah. right? Yeah. So, like, I don't like it. I don't like why they did it, but I know why they cast David Spade, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and who's a who's a John C. Riley? No, no, it's um uh, Patrick Warburton. Patrick Pat- Warburton. Yeah. Is it Patrick Warburton? Yes. As Kronk. Yeah. Mm. As no, Kronk. I mean, um, as as oh, John Goodman. John Goodman. Thank yeah. you. Oh, yes. And Eartha Kitt, who is yeah, a person who is of color. A of color? Yeah, yeah. Well, which yeah. which, which yeah, um. So I guess yeah, because because they they were playing in a in a it's not it's not it's not a we don't we don't know we don't know aliens exist when aliens exist we can have this conversation again, but um, I'm, I'm not talking in terms no, no, yeah. of cultural appropriation. I'm talking in yeah. terms of of cast yeah. choice. Well, yeah, when they could cast from literally any actor ever, it's yeah. only voice. Why did they choose exclusively white people? Because and why does that count for your film? Because and not against- yeah, because as I said. Um, 
Disney is a corporation. Mm-hmm. They will make decisions that are going to make them money. Okay. At the end of the day, um, yeah, uh, it's 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 a it's kind of the the done thing to a lot a lot a, a large majority of popular actors mm-hmm. are unfortunately white actors. Yep. Um, so if they're going to get a, a voice cast, they're going to get these big names and these that are just they just happen to un, uh, unfortunately not be very multicultural. Okay. Um, uh, that's totally fine. Yeah. Now, James, you said that Emperor's New Groove took risks. Yes. Implying that Treasure Planet did not. I think uh, that Emperor's... Uh, uh, I think... Uh, sorry, did you have a further question? No, that, that okay. well, that is like, can is you explore that a bit more, please? Sure, yeah. I think that um, Treasure Planet did take risks. However, I don't think the risks paid off as much. Um, and also, I think that uh, the main risk that Treasure Planet made uh, was this new technology, was this uh, blending of CG and, you know, uh, and, and traditional animation. However... Mm-hmm. We can see that that didn't uh, deliver on that promise. One, in the sense that, like, it was very expensive uh, and, in my, admittedly, in my opinion, didn't work to the best effect as far as perspective goes. As I was watching, mm. the faces seemed to sort of not have uh, this sort of consistency as they were in this 360-degree environment. It made me wonder why not just have the whole film be CG, you know? In that time... Okay. You know, you had Pixar doing stuff like Monsters Inc. So your 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 point is that it did take risks, but the risks it took were the wrong ones. If if quality was what they're after, exactly. And I think we see that as because we see that you know Disney cancelled their traditional animation studio mm-hmm. not too far after Treasure Planet's release. Um, and I would say that because of the money investment, because they were using this deep canvas software to mimic. Cameron movies to mimic Spielberg movies and weren't getting results in mm-hmm. the box office. I would say that that caught led to led to that. Okay. Uh, and could I just ask Patrick a question? Yeah, as you want a fact, fact check. check. Yeah. I want a fact yeah. check. Um, comparatively, mm-hmm. Treasure Planet's budget. Yes. Versus. Let me bring that up. So same Monsters Inc.'s budget. Yes, yeah, certainly. Give me one moment. I would also like to say just on the assertion that uh, uh, Emperor's New Groove took risks. I've checked. Um, the production history, and it appears that Emperor's New Groove was actually planned to be a much larger artistic production. Yes, James did, did but it was then reduced to be much more simple in order to save money and take it in a new the direction. The uh, he was ta- he was talking about, though, if I'm correct, were artistic style yes. and the style of comedy. Wonderful. Okay, yeah. rather so, than mm. the actual scale of the production. Yeah. Worth ha- clarifying. Yeah. No, yeah. no, that's absolutely yeah. fine. I, think um, I misunderstood that. Um, I will get back to you with budget. Yeah, while while Patrick's doing that. So I'm going to say that one of the biggest points that Curtis um, gave towards his film was the uh, the heart mm. and the the relationship between the characters, the warmth that you feel towards them, and the sympathetic villain. You haven't really given me anything on the characters and the relationships in your film. Uh, is there a reason that you're not? Um, partly because I, I ran out of time. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yes, no, I think that one of the biggest strengths of The Emperor's New Groove is its heart. And that's something I did want to touch on regarding the new direction it took is that um, one of the quotes that was associated with uh, Kingdom of the Sun, right, was this idea that it had the elements of 
one of the golden age films, right? Mm-hmm. The Empress of Groove goes beyond having being a set of elements and is quirky and, and is different in the sense that it has, is teeming with that heart, is teeming with that originality in everything, in the, you know, character interactions. We have, uh, it, it, it never misses a beat or an opportunity to showcase who these characters are, right? When you're starting with Cusco um, in this massive... Cusco! Um, yeah, exactly. Dance number that didn't need to happen. Yeah, but it's it didn't need to happen. But and it, works mm, so well, it does. right? Um, that broken off by him kicking the guy out the window, which is another character moment. I'm sorry, you threw off the Emperor's groove. Uh, yeah, <laughs> to all these weird moments that don't need to happen, mm-hmm. but add so much to what this movie is from having that... A diner scene where Kronk is the chef and you've got uh, uh, Kuzco uh, disguised as a lady and then Yzma who's like, who wants an order and you see the revolving door of Yzma and Kuzco ordering meals and then Kronk just saying um, increasingly specific orders and and just like that whole sequence, um, you know, didn't need to happen really. Like, you know, and then, then which is great because it shows how much, uh, you know, with this with the small time sequence, mm-hmm. the the small time frame in order to retool this movie, they were still able to inject all these things that you know exist only to showcase these characters and show these characters existing in the same place and and interacting and okay. what that dynamic is and what those dynamics mean. Um, it's also a great story. Uh, you speak to like in in terms of what the takeaway from the movie is what the moral of the movie is. It's a fantastic uh, story about humility and the story about learning to trust other people and trust in friends and not, you know, be selfish, obviously. Okay. Um, that That's, yeah. Yep, that's totally fine. Now, Curtis, uh, along the same lines, one of your biggest points was the sympathetic villain in Long mm. John Silver. And... It's true. He's a great character, very well-rounded, yeah. and it just happens to be a villain. Mm. Now, why is he a better villain than Yzma? Well, I think um, Yzma, uh, as funny and as, as like some of the – like pull the lever, like some of the greatest comedy um, – uh, Disney comedy moments come from her and Kronk's relationship, I think. Uh, there is not a moment where you believe she is anything but evil. Right, she's just a power-hungry, greedy person. Whereas Long John Silver is power-hungry and greedy, but it is rooted in his like life of hardship and and poverty and like the journey that he has been on. That is like that you never re- they never really go into so much, but you you can understand the journey that he's had without them having to be specific about it because it is so um, it is so. Uh, curtailed, not not curtailed. Um, it is so. It's just there in his like performance and his yep. character sort of thing. Okay, you can you can sense the kind of like the 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 gravitas and the the choices that he feels he has to make. While he's not one hundred percent confident with them, he's making them because he feels like he has to. Okay, yeah. Now, can I, sorry, can I yep. quickly respond to that? Sure. Because in terms of the things you've said, uh, like I, I completely agree with that. That Isma is this just like intrinsically evil person. However, I think in terms of what Emperor's New Groove is trying to be, it's okay that they are sort of these heightened characters. With uh, Treasure Planet, I think that, yeah, you're right. Like, 
uh, Long John Silver is this very nuanced villain. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think I, you know, I don't think that's the case with all of the characters in the film. I think that we have examples such as um, Ben in the second act, which is more of this just intrinsic like uh, comedic relief. He's a bit of a Jar Jar, I want to say. Uh, I disagree. I, mean, I would disagree. I would disagree. I, I believe um, he's – okay, so he is uh, a representation of the, char- of, an, of the character Ben from Treasure right. Island yes. who has been marooned by Captain Flint on an island for decades. I know. And in this situation, centuries, right? Yeah. So um, he is insane and yes. um, like – He's a robot, so like his personality core is like corrupted, pretty much, and like I feel we're getting things. Yeah, away we are from getting away from right the point. now. Yeah. So what we're gonna do? Gonna take another quick break. Uh, Before then, I'd just quickly like to point out the budget for Treasure Island, Treasure Planet, sorry, was 140 million. The budget for Emperor's New Groove was 100 million. To answer your question from earlier, Curtis. Okay. All in, right. In yeah, I'll 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 do my own research in the break. Okay, okay. we'll take a break. We'll come back with our closing arguments. Okay, so we have one round left, and it is three minutes closing arguments oh. to tell me why your film is the best Disney film ever made and why your opponents is simply not. James, mm. we'll be starting with you. All right. Three minutes. You won't get a warning. You'll just be cut off at three by Darkwing Duck yelling at you, mm-hmm. and your time Classic. starts when you start talking. Disney is at its best when it's weird, when it's willing to do weird things to entrant audiences to, uh, while also remaining retaining the heart of Disney, retaining these fantastic stories. We love to go to Disney for these fantastic stories that we don't expect. Empress New Groove delivers on all of that. It is weird. It has these fantastic characters who, you know, we attach ourselves to that we love to see on screen. We love to see interacting with each other. Um, while keeping the heart, while keeping these fantastic tales of humility and humbleness, um, it is it kind of came out of this tumultuous development uh, greater than the sum of its parts, greater than uh, this thing that was going to be just another you know Disney film uh, as, uh, elements of a classic Disney film. It is now new and it's paved the way for something different. Whereas uh, Treasure Planet signaled the death knell of traditional animation for Disney. It was this overexpensive, flashy film that, in the words of, um, you know, several uh, critics uh, said was gimmicky, uh, less, of an act of an homage, less, of, less an act of homage than a clumsy and cynical bit of piracy, um, not much of a movie at all, brainless mechanical picture from the New York Times, all of that. Um, this, whereas with uh, Emperor's New Groove, it knows what it is. It's tonally, uh, stylistically, musically, all leading up to this one uh, flamboyant, fantastic, uh, enthralling piece that is joke after joke that is fantastic, that is uh, that made its budget back, uh, won a few awards, not just nominated for one award like Treasure Planet was, but won five awards, was nominated for several more. Um, it was named... Uh, the 16th best Disney animated film of all time by IGN. I disagree. I say it's the best. Uh, that's my <laughs> thing. Um, Lucky. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, 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 you know, there is nothing, not much more I can say about how fantastic this film is and how it came from 
such a troubled history to become the greatest. It's a it's an underdog story. It's an underlama story of <laughs> this fantastic <laughs> you dare, sir. story oh. coming from uh, a tumultuous history. Uh, it has like all these. It's so good is my conclusion because I think at the end of the day, there's not much more to say than that this film, uh, you know, is, is not, is different and is, it loves being different. It loves being what it is. Um, and you know, it's hard not to get emotional about that. Um, and it's bursting with personality every corner, despite its rocky history and development. It thrived given its constraints. The jig is up, you jaded jughead jack in the box. Quickly correct it and press yeah. the correct button. I felt the need to go the th- full three minutes. Like, I, I knew it. I just, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. All right, Curtis, you have Thank the you. same three minutes. Your time starts when you start talking. Treasure Planet is the best Disney film ever made, flat out. It not only succeeds. Um, narratively, technology, but emotionally as well. This relationship between Jim and Long John Silver soars above many portrayed relationships, not only in anim- Disney films, animated films, but in films altogether. Um, Emperor's New Groove, on the other hand, uh, sacrifices what uh, in uh, sacrifices, I believe, a lot of its heart for. Um, Bad, like jokes and wit and like things that don't really serve the purpose. As you said, even the um, the diner scene, it didn't need to be there. It was just there for laughs. Um, and even Mark Sol- uh, Savlov of the Austin Chronicle says it suffers from the persistent case of narrative backsliding that only serves to make older members of the audience long for one of the poisoned apples of Disney yesteryear. Um, it is a... Funny film. It is a funny film, but it does not succeed in the places that Treasure Planet do. It's, Treasure Planet has the comedy, the heart, um, and it uses these wonderful new uh, methods of technology to create scene scapes, cinema, uh, soundscapes, and all this wonderful, just wonderful visual um, art, artistry that just makes the film soar, I believe. And... Whilst, yes, I do appreciate um, some of the good jokes in Emperor's New Groove, if I want to feel connected to a film, laugh, cry, feel so many emotions, every single time I am going to go and watch Treasure Planet because it is the greatest Disney film ever made. And that's all I've got. All right. Well, I have a lot of notes, so Mm. I need to uh, go over them. So I know both of you love both of these films. So please take a moment. And tell each other. We'll take several. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please let's do, it. do what you like about the your opponent's film. Yzma and Kronk are just one of the best comedy villain duos ever. Mm. <laughs> just ever. They're just great. Mm. Um, and Kronk, Patrick Warburton, like we remember, we we're older now. We we know him as Joe from Family Guy. Of course. We know him in a series of unfortunate events. Yes. But for our generation, he He's will Kronk. always be Kronk. Yeah, right. Absolutely. He just always will be. Yeah. It's it's yeah. And but it's good that he's also he's not been like confined to those sort of roles. Totally. So he's, yeah. he's not been like typecast, I exactly. think, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously Treasure Planet is a great movie. I was watching it uh last night. Yeah. I love that like it's willing to, you know, take moments for its characters. There's that bit it's basically just like a music video that happens during the middle. Yeah. Uh when it's like I want a moment yep. to be real. Yep. The, goo goo, the lead singer of the Goo Goo Dolls? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a really fun... You're right. There are a lot of good um, heartfelt moments, Yeah, uh, which I really like. Um, yeah. I think, it, uh, yeah, it's a really good, really good film. 
They're just good films. They're just good films. They're just good films, good man. Films. If these were the last two in the debate, I'd be happy. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that they both are very good. All right. You good? Are you going to tear out one of our... I'm going to tear out my own heart here. Yeah. I love both of these films. Yeah. And like you just said, I would be happy if these were the final two films that we had to choose between yeah. mm. in this debate. However, it's come up in round two and I have to make a choice now. So... <sighs> Oh man! I think oh. the main difference between these two films are mm-hmm. uh, they were both up against a whole bunch of issues. Yeah, mm. Treasure Planet lent on what Disney knew it could do well and bet on that, whereas Emperor's New Groove kind of threw something together and hoped that the chemistry would work. Mm. I think both of them succeeded. Yeah, um, even though audiences were split on both of these things, mm. as both of you showed with the with the quotes. Mm. Um, when it comes down to it, um, Treasure Planet is the film with the most heart. Yeah, it is all about Jim and the relationship with Long John Silver. But not mm. only that, you also have. Jim and his mum and yeah. and and also <laughs> getting cats and dogs to get along yeah. and somehow have babies. Yeah. Uh, aliens, we don't have to think about yeah, it. Yeah. Um, when it comes to things like the, uh, the casting and so I can't hold that against one film and not the other. So I think that's just a moot point yeah. in this argument. Yeah, cool. Um, Who are we to take on whitewashing in Hollywood? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think that's our conversation. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about Emperor's New Groove, it really is something that is greater than the sum of its parts. Mm. It was something that was planned to be much grander, much bigger spectacle, yeah. a la uh, Lion King or Prince of Egypt, and it, they just couldn't do that, so they hoped for the best. Mm. Got in this amazing cast. Both of the films had amazing casts. Yeah. 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 Um, and it worked somehow. You said that... Curtis, you said that Emperor's New Groove sacrifices its heart for jokes. I think that was pretty well countered by James saying that a lot of the heart comes from the jokes and finding the humour through the humility or the lack of humility and that's where the the story comes Mm. from. Even even in Yzma when at the end she's forced to be (laughs) <laughs> forced to show some humility because she's now a cat yeah. and is no longer an evil villain. Um, and when it comes to the legacy that these films leave to Disney, we can see that Emperor's New Groove paved a way for weirder, more slapstick, uh, more quippy kinds of films like Lilo and Stitch mm. and, the, and the other films that you leaned yeah. over. Even Treasure Planet kind of comes from... Even, I, yeah, you know. yeah. And whereas Treasure Planet kind of relied on what Disney used to do well and was kind of a last gasp in that in that age of Disney. Mm. But it's still a great film. Yeah. And I think in a filmic sense, Treasure Planet is a better film, but the better Disney film is Emperor's New Groove. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so that is my decision today. Congrats. <laughs> oh, no, I had you convinced that I was going against yeah, a little you. bit, yeah. <laughs> um, whew. So congratulations, James. Thank you. I'd like to take a moment to say sorry to my dad. (laughs) Um, I really let you down in this one. You have let me down. (laughs) This breaks my heart. Patrick Hagen is my daddy. (laughs) This breaks my heart to say goodbye to Treasure Planet uh, right now. No. 
It really mm-hmm. does. What it really does. I love <laughs> Treasure Planet and going into this debate, having watched oh. both films, it is the one that I've watched last that I relate to the most and that I want to go through. Uh, I did watch Treasure Planet last and so I did, you know, but I'm, yeah, I think Emperor's New Groove is the better Disney film. So congratulations, James. Thank you. Thank you for arguing so passionately on behalf of Treasure Planet, Curtis. Uh I'm sure I'm I'm very interested to see what the audience poll uh that yeah. will go up to Actually, will me show too, about this one. Yeah. Um because they're both but they both kind of share an underdog status mm. in the in the Disney canon. Under yeah. Llama, thank you. Under Llama. Uh, well, I there are no llamas <laughs> in Treasure Planet. That's yeah. the reason he won, isn't it? No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> I, I, I made a mark against him for it. <laughs> yeah. We all know that Zane loves puns. Oh, yeah, he's all about puns. <laughs> and Endlessly thank you him. again, uh, Patrick, for fact-checking us all the way to the end. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram at, and at our home in the web. That's not canon.com where you can find James in his podcast, My Song Suck and Unfeatured Articles. That's right. And also Curtis with Unfeatured Articles. I'd like to take this moment to announce my resignation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, man. I really like, honestly, it, it pains me to, to see you like this, honestly, <laughs> as well as like the fact that Church Planet was a very good movie. Uh, and. You. We'll be back same time next week with another Disney vs. Disney debate. Until then, keep watching Disney, everyone. What should I listen to now? We are Castology. This is our podcast about podcasts. We are your castologists, Patrick Shearer, Liz Best, and Zancy Weber. Each week, we'll bring you three of the best and sometimes not so best podcasts around. We'll also do the hard work and trawl the RSS feeds to find the newest podcast that should be on your radar. And then next week, we come back and tell you what we thought of the recommendations and bring three new sparkling podcasts to check out. Now, will we always agree with each other's picks? Probably not. But hey, you're clever. You know that's how reviews work. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcatcher of your choice. That's not kind of productions podcast. Grenka, 100% your finance partner for fast, accessible cash flow solutions. Get back to business with Grenka. Get the latest equipment you need and keep your cash where you need it in your business through leasing and invoice finance. We make credit decisions in 20 minutes and can pay your supplier or fund your chosen invoices within 24 hours of completion. We finance 100% of the asset, no deposits needed, and you can lease equipment from as little as 500 euro upwards. Grenka, your finance partner for fast, efficient leasing and invoice finance options. That's G-R-E-N-K-E.